0: This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Now, spreading freedom across the nation, this is... The Buck Sexton Show.
1: All right, Team Buck, welcome back to the Freedom Hunt. We're joined by Andrew Stiles. He is Heat Street's politics editor. Andrew, great to have you. Yeah,
0: great to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: Uh, So bring us up to speed on the latest with the Jill Stein-led recount effort in Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. Uh, What is happening here?
0: Uh, Well, basically... all. These uh, recount efforts are uh, starting to flame out, I think, as many people expected. Uh, Michigan courts have uh, rejected her attempt to have a recount. And I believe uh, in Wisconsin, Trump, when they started recounting some of the ballots, Trump was actually leading. He he gained votes after them. Uh, Pennsylvania has said that she didn't file in time, and it looks like, you know, as many people could have predicted that this effort by Jill Stein to, you know, uh, pursue recounts in the Midwestern states that Trump basically won Trump the election or turned out to be a big waste of time and money. But Jill Stein did raise a lot of money for her you know own political efforts by doing this. So you have to kind of question her motives there.
1: Yeah, I mean this. This benefits her. Uh, do you think there is also an aspect of this that it's just sort of uh, lashing out from the left that they want to have a recount just because you know Trump can't be legitimate? There must be something wrong here, and even if we can't find anything wrong, by posing or or by proposing this recount, by pushing for this recount, people can always say that, well, maybe there was voter fraud. I mean, I'm I'm just looking for what could be motive here other than just Jill Stein lining her political pockets.
0: Absolutely. I think that has to be considered as as a motive for Democrats to just get these recounts out there, muddy the water, get people aware of them, spread the news to anything to undermine the legitimacy of Trump's presidency. Kind of right out of the bat, kind of cast this cloud over whether or not he's a legitimate president. Uh, they did this in you know two thousand and eight and even two thousand four uh which was less of a clear cut case. There was a lot of Democrats claiming that you know Bush didn't actually win reelection, and there was allegations of voter fraud and such, anything to sort of undermine the legitimacy because a lot of Democrats just refused to accept that Trump won in the first place.
1: Uh, also, uh, another election of sorts. Well, not really an election, I guess, but a contest. Donald Trump, person of the year. I mentioned it in the last hour, he beat out Hillary Clinton and Beyonce. Beyonce. I, I really feel like uh, that's that's the one that people are going to be talking about. That, beat out Beyonce as person one. of the year. Why Beyonce would be person of the year is beyond me. But I'm not. I'm not up on these things. Maybe you are.
0: Uh, no, I think you know Trump is sort of the the obvious choice, and I think it's fitting that it's Time magazine giving him this honor, kind of a, a once great arbiter of elite consensus opinion, uh, now a very, has probably halved in size uh, and relevance, if not more so. And I, like some people have been pointing out on Twitter, that among the most recent covers Time ran were just a series of covers showing how Trump was melting down, he was never gonna be the president, and of course he wins and now he's person of the year after repeatedly dismantling the elite consensus opinion about whether or not he could win. It's you know, kind of a, a fitting tribute. And I, I don't know if the time person of the year even means anything these days, but uh he's won it and he was the obvious choice, although I guess if you had an online poll Maybe Beyonce would come out on top.
1: Now, I mentioned right before I mentioned right before we came into the second hour here that uh, General John Kelly, who's a retired Marine general, is Trump's choice to lead Homeland Security. General Kelly lost his son in combat in Afghanistan. I think a lot of people see this and at least say more more than qualified to hold the the role. And people, uh, I, I think, will largely certainly conservatives and people on the right will largely applaud it. But the main piece I see up on Heat Street right now, the site for which you're the politics editor, uh, deals with a different side of the Trump transition. Uh, General Flynn's son. That uh, th- that tweet did not go unnoticed. Uh, tell us what happened here and what the outcome of, of the whole Flynn dust-up has been.
0: Yeah, so uh, Mike Flynn, uh, Trump's national security advisor, is into a, uh, well, his, his son anyway, is in a little bit of hot water over, Tweeting about this uh, conspiracy known as Pizzagate, of which I, I, I've been out of the country, and I'm—it's one of those things where I've been trying to, uh, like, learn as little about. But as far as I know, that there is some in the WikiLeaks emails. John Podesta, there's some imagery or allusions to pizza, and some people have pieced together that maybe uh, the use of the word pizza is a code word for some. Uh, grand conspiracy among the international elite to to rig things and uh there was even a there's a restaurant in dc where someone brought a gun to someone was almost killed and this michael flynn uh has tweeting you know until it's proven false it, this has to be a story uh, like all the things that were uncovered in wikileaks we need to pursue this but this was a little too much for uh, trump's transition team and they've kind of ousted him as a result
1: Yes, indeed. And your latest piece, by the way, switching gears here, Lena Dunham calls herself a human wastebasket. I am not a Lena Dunham fan. I don't know if you uh, would would come out and say that, too. But uh, what happened here? That's fair.
0: Uh, Yeah, (laughs) Lena Dunham is one of these uh, celebrities, actually, was, you know, totally in the tank for Hillary Clinton, campaigned for her and even threatened to move to Canada Trump won, of course, obviously not going to follow through on that pledge. I don't know if Canada would even want her, but she, after the election has been kind of having a bit of a public meltdown. She went out to a ranch in Arizona to go on a spirit journey and talk to rocks and took some pictures of dogs and magic crystals, all very bizarre. I, I, I don't know what's going on, but I've just pull up her Instagram account and try to make some sense of it. Uh, that spirit journey didn't appear to be very successful in terms of finding solace and healing because a few days ago she posted this drunken rant on Instagram uh, video calling herself a human waste basket and a wasteoid. After having drunk about one and a half glasses of wine, she said, And, of course, Monday night, I believe, she posted a photo of herself, uh, a toilet selfie of herself uh, relieving herself in a restroom and posted that on Instagram, although that was uh, removed a few hours later uh, because of the obvious sort of confusion and backlash online. Why are you you putting this out in the public space? What's going on? I just think might be a sort of, she is a figurehead for the the wider liberal celebrity community who's really lost their minds uh, trying to cope with the fact that Hillary did not win and that Trump is going to be the president.
1: Andrew Stiles is Heat Street's politics editor. Andrew, great to have you on. Hope you'll come back. We appreciate it. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Team phone lines are open. 888-900-3393. Let's talk for a minute about our sponsor this hour. Super Beets. Oh, yeah, beets. They're very good for you. I don't know if you knew this, but beets are a nutrition goldmine. They are, in fact, rich in vitamins, minerals, electrolytes, and dietary nitrates. You're like, oh, Buck, why do I need dietary nitrates? Because dietary nitrates convert to nitric oxide in the body, and that is the secret to how it works. But you don't have to eat beets for all the benefits of beets. You just have to have one teaspoon of Super Beets. Leaves you with no beet taste and beet juice is a potent thing. Super Beats, even more so. You should definitely check it out. I feel confident telling you about this because whenever I try Super Beats, I get a little boost of energy, and trust me, you need energy to do a three-hour radio show every day. So please call 800-311-4367 or go to teambuckbeats.com. You get a 30-day supply free. It comes with your first order and is backed by a money-back guarantee. Also receive a free book, Beat the Odds, and free shipping on your entire order. You'll love the results you feel with your first free canister, guaranteed... Or your money back. 800 311 4367 TeamBuckBeats.com. 800 311 4367 or go to TeamBuckBeats.com. We'll be right back.
0: Buck Sexton on the Blaze Radio Network. This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The Buck Sexton Show.
1: All right, team, let's go to the phones here. Mike in upstate New York. You're on the Buck Sexton Show. You're in the Freedom Hunt. Welcome, sir. Hey, how are
2: you,
1: Buck? I'm all right. A little better hey, now that you uh, called, Mike. Good, good to hear from a member of the team. I, Did I just scare Mike away? There he, is. there he is. Come back.
2: Where'd you go? I'm here.
1: Uh, I'm listening. What, what's what's on your mind? Are you there? Yeah, uh, Mike, yeah, but you got to talk to us, buddy. We can hear you. Go ahead. All
2: right. Sorry, I I, I can barely hear you. Uh, I'm calling about the uh, the story there, the Pizza Gate... Um, General Flynn connection, um, fake news, obviously, all falls into that. But along the same lines, there was a real news story that didn't get much coverage that came out about the same time as all of this. Uh, and that was a major FBI thing called cross-country. Um, apparently, for the last 10 years or so, they've been doing uh, sex trafficking uh, things. And back in mid-October this year, they had a news release on the FBI website where they Arrested something like 250 people, uh, as well as recovered 82 juveniles, all involved in underground sex rings across the country. Um,
1: so, what does this really have to do with pizza? What does this have to do with PizzaGate?
2: That What's
1: that? So, what does that have to do with PizzaGate?
2: Well, it, there's a there's a real story that was similar. I just wonder how much that played into if somebody found that. Information and, and tried to tie it into Hillary Clinton and all these emails that were coming out about that time.
1: It seems like a lot of effort to make this to to make a connection between those two things, Mike. I'll be honest with you. I, I mean, maybe, may but I, I don't. I don't really see a connect. I mean, you're you're saying there could be a connection, and I can't say there can't be a connection, but I don't see a connection. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah. No. And that's that's what I'm saying. But I'm I'm wondering if. Uh, If somebody was grasping at straws, I mean, obviously there were a lot of people out there that wanted to do harm to to her and her campaign if they could, uh, you know, tie in an FBI news story that was released but not really many people knew about and try and tie it into her campaign and what have you.
1: Yeah, I mean, the whole thing was just sort of bizarre, though, Mike. I mean, when you look at what the... Oh, without a doubt.
2: But that that was this whole election uh, process this year, starting in the the, uh, primaries for sure.
1: I guess nothing is nothing is too crazy for this election. I suppose that's uh, that's true. Um,
2: uh, I, I just like I said, I just wanted to uh, plan a bug because, like I say, I don't I don't think that news story got covered at all, and that's a that's a pretty big deal.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, you yeah, know, it was it was a it was definitely a story. I mean, you read it right, so it definitely got some coverage. But uh, yeah, uh, Mike, thank you for calling in, man. Shields, I appreciate you uh giving us giving us some time on the air. Anyone else wants to ring 888-900-3393? Tell me a happy story, somebody. Or, or give me a fun movie quote. Or see if you can stump me with a, an action movie quote. How about that? Um, let's get these lines lit up. we got our friend Charles Cook joining in a few minutes. He always cheers me up. Just let's sit here just be like, Charles, just, just speak with that British accent, Charles. I just want to hear it. Uh, makes me happy. Uh, what else did we have? Oh, yeah. There we go. Trying to find this. There is this video that has gone viral um, uh, and it's an old video though. It was uh, from June. If you haven't seen, if you haven't seen it, it's pretty remarkable. So there's this guy down in Australia, and he's out pig hunting with his friend who had a terminal disease. Who unfortunately, it's since this whole thing happened, passed away. And this kangaroo, which is which when it's on its hind legs, is is a, they estimate to be almost six feet tall. I mean, it's a it's a big. It's a big kangaroo uh, grabs and you see the whole thing on the video. I'm sure many of you have seen this. It's, it's gone totally viral on Facebook over the last few days. Um, you, you see this whole thing happening. And this this guy is he sees his dog gets grabbed by the kangaroo around uh, around the neck. Right. So the, the kangaroo puts the dog in a headlock and the dog's obviously in distress and the guy runs over. um, He runs over, and the kangaroo does release the dog, but then they sort of square off for a second. And when they square off, uh, and the kangaroo's on its back legs, this guy sort of puts up his hands like he's going to box, and he socks the kangaroo in the face. I mean, he gives it a shot. Not that bad. It stuns the kangaroo, doesn't knock it down. And then the guy walks away, and, you know, the dog's, the dogs are free. The kangaroo is still standing. He's and, and then he sort of hops away. Um, a few things about this. First of all, I don't know about any of you, but like anything comes near my dog, and it is it is a legitimate uh, it is a, a, a legitimate self defense, right? So if some animal is threatening your dog, I think you're allowed to take it upon yourself to do whatever is necessary to protect your dog. I know they're both animals, and there are people who would say, well, you know, why are you privileging one over the other? Because it's my dog. That's why. Um, but so this this guy punches the kangaroo in the face, and now people are saying that he should lose his job for this. Um, that to me is just insane. Uh, he obviously wasn't. This wasn't like he was being cruel to an animal for no reason, and and there was nothing in this. And then there's people say, oh, he should have just walked away. I don't know. I'd I'd be kind of scared if a kangaroo is on its rear legs and staring me down after it had i mean this kangaroo is big too it's kind of jacked it looks like a weightlifter kangaroo uh you see this whole thing and the other part of this that i didn't know uh, until reading about it apparently kangaroos are really nasty Uh, or they can be nasty i'm sure they can also be sweet and somebody will send me a youtube of like a kangaroo you know that's snuggling people and being all nice but if a kangaroo uh, hits you with its hind legs, it can disembowel you, according to the Nas- National Geographic post on this whole thing. Uh, so its hind legs are incredibly powerful, and it also can use its paws its uh, its paws to try to scratch your face or your eyes. It tends to go for the eyes. It's always kind of weird when you, you know animals have these instincts, going you know, to go for the eyes, the neck. Uh, chimpanzees, for example, know to go for their opponents, and that includes humans when they get really aggravated. They'll go for the hands uh, of a human or another or, uh, you know, or another chimpanzee uh, or they'll go for the face. Um, so that they know how to because think about it, right? If you're trying to if you're trying to take a human out of the fight, face and hands pretty much does it. Same thing would, would, would apply to uh, a fighting between two chimpanzees. It also reminds this whole thing reminds me of the of the dust up from a few years ago. That is also pretty re- remarkable video went when mega viral. This kangaroo thing has gone totally viral uh and again i i think this guy did nothing wrong at all i i I like animals a lot you know i i probably even have a i can't even explain you know how much i like dogs or why I, i like animals as much as i do considering that i'm also a meat eater but whatever i like animals a lot if a kangaroo was threatening the family french bulldog i don't have a dog my family here in the city does though and i sort of feel like it's my dog but i grew up with a boston terrier the kangaroo is threatening the dog. That kangaroo, I would roundhouse kick that kangaroo. I mean, whatever is necessary, flying headbutt if if need be to get it off my dog. Um, this guy out in California, Kevin Rose, who was the founder of something called Dig D I G G, he this was all found on video. He saw his dog getting attacked by a raccoon. It was sort of a little white uh, frou-frou-y dog being attacked by a raccoon. And he it, and I, I gave him credit. I thought this was a particularly sort of brave thing. I mean, I I feel like I'd rather take my chances with a kangaroo than like a, an angry, possibly rabid raccoon that's already you know biting and scratching my dog. Um, but he comes out, and this is all on video too. If you uh, if you Google this, and the dog and the raccoon are are you know s- sort of scrapping, biting, everything, and he grabs the raccoon and hurls it down the staircase. And instead of people just saying, well, he's defending his dog, I understand we did that, they wanted him to get fired. The, the emotionalism with which people approach some of these, uh, these sort of unusual incidents, but anything that involves animals, I mean, it is, if you are found even under justifiable circumstances, being mean to an animal in a video uh, of any kind online, I mean, there are people that start leveling death threats. I mean, they completely lose it. Anyway, if you haven't seen the kangaroo video... Check it out. Back in a few minutes.
2: The Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network.
0: Show.
1: You know, sometimes you read a, a headline and you think to yourself, this is the, the, the no way, right? There must be overselling this or they, they, they must be, uh there something to this that I'm not catching or it's in, intentional hyperbole? You know, that was the case yesterday when I, I read to you from that uh, woman from the Washington who wrote in the Washington Post that because she's so terrified of the future under Trump, she no longer wants to look for anyone to date. She no longer wants to have a, a partner. Uh, she no longer views herself as somebody who, um, you know, should be out there on the scene. Although she did also say at one point she went on six dates in one week. I was like, that's a lot of dates. Uh, but that's how upset she is. And she wants everybody to know it. That's how uh, angry she is about, or I shouldn't say angry, that's not the right word, uh, Hopeless. That's the degree of hopelessness she feels because Donald Trump won the election and not Hillary Clinton. I this is some pretty childish stuff. This is really not the sort of thing that we should be elevating and pretending in any way, shape or form is normal. Uh, It's quite bizarre. And it's just goes to show you there is a real difference. And, And I think this is. One of the primary takeaways here, there's a real difference between the way that at least conservatives and the, the Republicans that I know approach elections and politics and what it is on the left. On the left, it's such a part of identity. You know, I approach politics from the perspective of, yeah, of course, you know, there's right and wrong and there's a morality undergirding all this and how a society should be ordered, the obligations of the citizen to the state, all that, all that good stuff. Sure. But also just, look, there are are choices and there are some people that represent uh, a series of choices that are more likely to go in one direction or another. And I support those people. But if they don't win, okay, well, we'll deal with the alternative as best we can. And, you know, you sort of live to fight another day and it's not that big a deal. You know what I mean? That that should be, one would think, that should be the attitude. Uh, That should be the situation. And uh, what I find myself seeing time and time again is that there is this uh, sort of there's been this uh, signal given that if you were a Hillary supporter and you are distraught there is no level of childishness that is too much a childishness that is too much there's no uh, level of sort of rending of garments gnashing of teeth you know whining online crying about this that is all somehow or another Fine. Um, and, and here's a, another example. It's still in DailyCaller.com. New York Magazine reported that many women in Washington, D.C. are dealing with President-elect Donald Trump's victory by cutting or dyeing their hair. Juliana Evans, who works for a performing arts company, told New York Magazine that she cried for three days following Trump's win. Quote, it was catastrophic. You know, there are a lot of good reasons that, you know, as a man or a woman, you could feel uh, like something is a catastrophe. There, there, there's there's plenty of real stuff out there that can make you feel hopeless, that can be, that can be a, a, a super bummer. But one candidate in a presidential election winning over another, especially given the history of, of Donald Trump, he's already, by the way, I think, starting to moder- moderate on some of his positions or become more moderate in some of his positions – That someone, that Juliana Evans uh, would tell New York Magazine that she would cut off all of her hair because Trump won. That I don't get. Uh, That is just babyishness. Um, And not to pick on one person, whatever, that anybody would do this. First of all, what is that? I didn't know that was a thing. Like, if you're really upset, you cut off your hair. But I don't know. I guess Britney Spears, when she was having a really tough time, shaved her head. So people do do stuff like that. Uh, but this has become sort of a, a, a part of the culture for the time being that there's nothing you can say that is too extreme, that is too, um, uh, you know, sort of self-indulgent. And you, know, you just the more you can wallow in the horror that is a Trump victory, the, the better. I mean, this is what people have been sort of promoting for a while. It, it just does really serve to highlight i think a, a difference in the way people on the left and the right approach these things and and even more than that i have to say i i think it really shows um i think it really shows that there's a a distinction to be made between how emotionally involved in these things Republicans uh, get and how emotionally involved things Democrats get I just don't remember any of this happening when Barack Obama won. I mean, I don't remember people crying and shaving their heads and doing all this stuff. And I I think a part of it is that the Democrats have have, of course, they have pop culture. And so that then becomes an echo chamber for these kinds of activities. And for a lot of for a lot of Americans, for a lot of people, they see stuff going. They see stuff being done a certain way. And they think to themselves, "Okay, well. You know, if 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 so-and-so who's famous for, I don't know, being attractive and being a reality show star or something like that, if so-and-so does it, then I guess, it, you know, then it's cool for me to do, too. It's OK for me to do, too. And, and that has an effect. But but also there's a um, a constant, I think, a sort of wrapping up of one's identity and sense of self into Democratic into the politics, of the Democratic Party that occurs. That's just really unhealthy. And you, you see this when I, I come across this in New York sometimes with people who I can tell if they and I, I really avoid speaking about politics in my private life as, as much as I possibly can. Um, but I can tell in my private life that they that, that if I were to sort of let them know how I feel about a whole array of issues, right, a whole slew of things, uh, they would react badly to it not they would disagree and not they would take a uh sort of a uh well let's talk about something else approach which is always fine with me right anytime someone's like hey let's instead of arguing over this political point let's discuss our favorite you know our favorite food to make or something i don't know whatever you know let's 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 make fun of poodles together that's always fun to that always brings people together uh let's talk about how honestly golden doodle overrated just just not of the of the mixed breeds that one gets you know, I much prefer a puggle to a golden doodle. Um, this is the way that th- this is now so commonplace that you expect it, I think, from a lot of Democrats. That there will be this really bad sort of personal reaction to the recognition that somebody that they're spending time with, especially in a social in a social setting, uh, doesn't agree with them, doesn't take the same perspective on things, isn't really. Uh, on board with them on a, on wh- whatever it may be without even getting into the policies. Right. You tell somebody, look, I've I, I've known friends. I, I've had the situation where someone finds out that I'm a Republican or they Google me before, let's say, a second date or maybe even a first date. And all of a sudden there's like a different, there's like a change in attitude. And they want to start asking, well, do you really believe this? Do you really believe that? And it's not that if we got into the issue, I think even they would be offended by my position It's that to be a Democrat is not to be a member of a political party. It's really to be a member of um, cult is too strong a word, but it's to be a, a member of an identity group. You know, we always talk about Democrats in the vein of identity politics and how they play identity politics. And they want to break everybody down by, you know, by race, ethnicity, background and all this other stuff, you know, sexual orientation and. What we what really you see is that, yeah, the, the Democrats do identity politics, but being a Democrat is a form of identity politics, too, in a really profound way, in, in a way that influences uh, many of those of uh, m- many of those around us who I think now feel like that identity is both threatened by a Trump presidency and needs to be uh, needs to be reaffirmed. You know, there there needs to be sort of a moment of. Okay, uh, the Democratic Party is in a difficult position right now. So who wants to stand up and be the sort of loudest, most shrill voice imaginable in favor of the Democratic Party and to sort of just be willing to denounce at all costs in a scorched earth kind of way Donald Trump and all of his supporters and the entirety of the Republican Party? And that's how I think you get what would otherwise be very obviously um, a form of hysteria from a lot of people. That's how I think you 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 have to see all of this, um, because I, I'm just, you know, the story after story about these people that, oh, and, you know, the celebrities that I'm going to leave the country. First of all, none of them left the country. Right. So we all know that it's social signaling, it's virtue signaling, and it's just sort of positioning themselves for public public consumption. Right. This is the way that they want to be seen. Um, but anyway, that's women cutting their hair. People don't want to go on dates anymore. You know, man, if, if I thought we really did have a tyrant running the country and there wasn't much time left on the clock, I wouldn't stop going on dates. I'd go on a lot of dates. Very different point of view. Although right now I'm only, I'm of course, not single, but I'm just saying, theoretically. Um, now I only go on dates with one person. Uh, I will be back. 888-900-3393. Give me a few.
0: You're listening to The Buck Sexton Show on the blaze radio network you're listening to the buck sexton show
1: we're joined now by our friend charles cook he is editor of national review online his latest piece on nationalreview.com is democrats finally wake up to the dangers of illiberalism charles great to have you sir
3: thank you for having me
1: i just wanted to give you a chance to tell us a bit about the argument you're making in this piece it seems that there are liberals who are all freaked out that we're on a we're on a descent into illiberalism but when did it start and why now
3: Well, I don't wish to whitewash in any way, Donald Trump. uh, You've had me on your show throughout the primaries and the general election, and you know my view on the man. I do think that it's time for us to wait and see. He hasn't done anything yet. He's president-elect. He will have a Congress that will have its own ideas. Uh, I am not one to freak out over uh, what-ifs unless they are very well grounded. Um, That is not the approach that has been taken uh, by the left and uh, I see I see the implication everywhere that history started on November 8th of this year or that at that point well, Donald Trump's flaws uh, came to the fore uh, and were egregious were separate from the rest of the system uh, were divorced from the continuum and that's simply not the case uh, I'm quite happy to and have criticized for example Donald Trump's Views on the First Amendment, but they can't be uh, imagined outside of the fact that a majority of Democrats wish to ban so called hate speech, uh, that Hillary Clinton campaigned on repealing part of the First Amendment and overturning the Citizens United decision, uh, and uh, that uh, college campuses across the nation. are inhospitable to those who have different ideas. I think Trump's not only a a backlash against some of that, um, but he exists on that continuum. The ideas that Trump is forwarding uh, are not new. Uh, They might be more pronounced than those who came before him, um, but they're not new. I think across the board, culturally and politically, uh, Democrats, progressives need to understand Uh, that they have strengthened the presidency, they've undermined faith in separation of powers, they've cast the Constitution as a relic, Uh, they have called dissenters all sorts of unpleasant names in the Obama years. They've picked up some pretty egregious policy positions of their own. For example, uh, they wanted to strip the Second Amendment rights of American citizens based on their being on a list. And suddenly they're faced with this man who inherits much of that power and also the same cultural backdrop, uh, and they can't see what they did uh, to uh, enable him. As I say, he hasn't done anything yet. But even when he does, uh, we should be looking at his actions in a 30- or 40-year context, uh, not in a a two-month context.
1: Yeah, I I see these people going on TV. There's one in particular that I've, I've seen a few times on Morning Joe um, who keep saying that you know, that we are at the, we're essentially at like DEFCON 1 for democracy right now in this country. And I, I feel like, well, first of all, nothing has happened yet. And second of all, a lot of the objections that they raise are, have corollaries, if not mirror images, with what Obama's been doing for eight years. And it just seems so obvious to me.
3: Well, I think that's right. And um, I think one of the problems here is that there's a tendency uh, among Democrats um, and among progressive academics uh, to see Republican complaints as being uh, part of the culture war or as being frivolous, um, but to see Democratic complaints as being inherently true. I mean, if you look at, for example, Trump's comments on uh, the integrity of our elections, Uh, I do think um, that they've been unhelpful. Um, I do think they've been worse than most uh, of the comments that have been made uh, in the last 50 years within American uh, electoral history. Uh, And that's a problem. Um, And so if a progressive says, well, that is an example of the undermining of a democratic norm, I'm happy to agree. Uh, But there are other democratic norms over the last few years uh, that have been uh, abused, too. Um, Hillary Clinton, for example, during the third debate with Donald Trump, cast the Supreme Court as if it were a super legislature. That's the undermining of a democratic norm. Uh, As I say, the violations of due process and proposed violations of due process we've seen over the last eight years, uh, that's the undermining uh, of a democratic norm. Uh, Forcing nuns to pay for uh, birth control is the undermining of a democratic norm, the norm being religious pluralism, religious tolerance. Uh, You know, time and time again, culturally uh, and uh, politically, the norms that we have grown accustomed to have been pushed. Barack Obama was struck down nine to nothing in the Supreme Court.
1: Right. And uh, that didn't bother them. And all this stuff does. Charles, we're at a hard break, but I appreciate you joining us. Charles Cook, editor and chief of Nash Review Online. Great to have you, sir. Team, hour three coming up.
0: The Buck Sexton Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network.